we've talked a lot about the housing crisis in this country. Well, I don't know, the last, what, year? Two years? Three years, maybe? And you've heard all the stories. The Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation says, you know, we're going to be short three and a half million housing units by 2030. And we're already in a bit of a mess, as you may have noticed. And meanwhile, the population is continuing to grow by hundreds of thousands every year. And everyone has been blaming someone ever since the beginning. And, you know, remember that we brought in all the measures to stop foreign investment, because that was part of the problem. Um, Short-term vacation rentals have had their time in the barrel. The list goes on. Foreign students have certainly been most recently the ones sort of being targeted as part of the problem. And you know what? I think there's a case to be made there. Let's find out. We're going to speak with uh, Mike Moffat now, who's the Senior Director of Policy and Innovation at the Smart Prosperity Institute. Mike, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you being with us. No, thanks for having me. I mean, the math is pretty simple, right, Mike? I mean, even I can understand it, and I don't know anything from math. Not enough housing to meet demand, and at the same time, increasing demand due for a number of reasons, but certainly because of a lot of international students. You can see the numbers just don't add up, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is a particular problem in uh, the greater Vancouver area in southern Ontario. So, you know, to give an example, uh, Conestoga College, which is a a small uh, community college in Kitchener-Waterloo, has some branch campuses all across southwestern Ontario. They brought in 30,000 international students Jeez. last year. So, you know, you've, you've got a, a community of a half million people, and then all of a sudden you're adding, you know, 30,000 extra uh, extra bodies to it. You know, that's going to get you a rental shortage. No question about it. So, you know, the, the targeting or at least the sighting of international students as being part of the problem, it's definitely fair, right? Um, but we put ourselves in that position through a number of different ways. Like, we've done this to ourselves in some ways, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a combination of just not building enough housing, uh, you know, all, all the restrictions on particularly building rental housing, uh, plus, you know, a number of policies yeah. that have actually encouraged international students to come. So, yeah, absolutely. That is, you know, one of those sort of be careful what you wish for situations that we spent the last decade trying to uh, encourage international students to come. And now we sort of realize that uh, we've probably been the victim of our own success. Yeah. So let's go through some, because like you say, there's different facets to the policy failures or, or the policy um, miscalculations that led us to part of this problem. So let's start with the immigration policy, because that's part of the problem, right? The immigration, we, we, we talk about immigration and how we need it, but it doesn't serve our needs and creates more problems in some ways, correct? What's the problem there? Well, well certainly one of the things that we've uh, done o- over the last 15 years or so is, uh, you know, incorporate the higher education system into the immigration system, which kind of makes sense that, you know, we've always had problems integrating newcomers into the Canadian economy. Um, So instead of having them come over at 28 or 29 uh, when, uh, you know, and they've got their credentials somewhere else, have them come over at 18 or 19, get their degree or diploma here, get some Canadian work experience and apply for permanent residency. The challenge is that our enrollment and the number of people on these uh, temporary work visas, not all of them are going to be able to get permanent residency. You know, we, we've brought in far more people than our immigration targets allow, and now we've got to sort, sort out this mess. And one thing we always talk about, Mike, is we, I mean, for lack of a better term, we, we, we view international students as ATMs. They're cash machines. Our post-secondary institutions really rely on foreign students for revenue. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Particularly here in Ontario, where, where I am, uh, you know, we have the lowest uh, tuitions. In fact, uh, the provincial government uh, required a 10% tuition cut and then freeze across the board. Um, we have the lowest uh, operating grants. So uh, colleges and universities uh, were basically trying to find ways to increase their revenue and found a fantastic one in international students. Yeah. The challenge is they, did, they didn't put all the supports in place. They didn't create housing. They didn't create all of the other supports that those students needed to succeed. And it's had all of these spillover effects all across the province. So when we take a look at what the government has done or not done in terms of addressing the situation, they are putting new limits in, right? They, they've, they've talked about that. They are going to try and restrict the number of international students. Are they on the right path here? What do you think about what they've announced so far anyway? Yeah, I, I think this is overdue. I wish they had done this years ago, but there's no time like the present. So they basically put in a, a, a cap for every province based on the province's population. And it kind of works like a salary cap in, in, in sports. So for Alberta, you know, you've got still a lot of room to grow, right? That, yeah. that your uh, set of international students is, you know, relatively small. But uh, for Ontario, we're way over the cap. We're going to have to cut our international student uh, new enrollment by half. And now the provincial government here is trying to figure out, you know, how to allocate it between all of our various uh, colleges and universities. What else do we need to do? I mean, it seems to me like a lot of what's been announced so far, and I'm not saying it's not important, but like when you break down the case as you did in the piece you wrote for the Globe and Mail, there's so many other pieces. I mean, what do we need to be doing here? To, I mean, three and a half million units in the next six years, that, that, that's a daunting number. How are we going to handle this? Yeah, absolutely. We have to attack both the supply and demand side. So I, I think on the uh, demand side from population growth, we, we just need to have a plan. Uh, you know, we have targets for immigration. We should have targets for all of these non-permanent programs, whether it be international students or temporary foreign workers or what have you. Then we're going to have to focus more on the supply side. And, you know, we're starting to see governments move on this, like eliminating yep. the GSP on purpose-built rentals. Uh, I think we need need to reintroduce some of the tax incentives that we had in the 1960s and 70s to build apartment buildings, but there's no silver bullet here. You know, we're going to have to have both demand and supply side solutions if we're going to get anywhere near closing that gap. Yeah, so Mike, like you say, the international students, good place to start. Uh, That that makes sense, but uh, it's not going to, that's just the start, right? There's so many other things we have to get to work on here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of it just, just comes down to better planning that, uh, you know, we need more housing uh, across the board. Um, you know, we, we need to plan our, our cities better and we need to have the, the, the tax system in, in place. That uh, latest estimates I saw are about 31% of the cost of all new housing is through a variety of government taxes and charges. So, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that, uh, you know, when we have a housing shortage, we're, you know, taxing new housing the same way we tax alcohol and cigarettes. You know, we, we, we need to be uh, a little bit more reasonable about this. Um, and it, it, I, we've seen a lot of attention. We've seen a lot of emphasis from all levels of government. Do you think they're getting focused enough? I mean, I, like we say, the, we're already trying to play catch up here, Mike. Um, do you think we're, we're the, the the sense of urgency is there now? Or are, are we sort of snapping to attention on this file? 
I, I think we are yeah. uh, finally that, uh, you know, the, the, the federal government, I, I think, had been, um, you know, asleep on this for a while. But it seems like every week or two there's a new announcement from, from the housing minister. And for the most part, I, I, I think they're great. I think they need to go further. Uh, we'll have to see what's in, in budget uh, 2024. And I, I, we need the movement from the provinces as well. You know, I know uh, I know Alberta has the fastest growing rents uh, in, in the country, in, in part because our situation is so bad in Ontario that we have a lot yeah. of young Ontarians move out there. Yep. So absolutely, there's role for the provincial government as well. Mike, uh, thanks so much for your time and, and walking us through it. Always appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me.